Now from Luke chapter 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a delight it is to come as your people to not only look back at what you have done in sending your son as a babe, but Lord, to, to look at what you have done in our lives and will do one day when all is made right. When King Jesus returns glorious to make all things new. How we long for that day. But Lord, as we are here, would you open the eyes of our heart Help us to see and to understand what it is you have for us tonight from your word. Give us clarity. Give us wisdom. Give us faith, Lord, to know you, to trust you, and to believe you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. For those who know me at almost any level, you know that I don't have a mechanical bone in my body. Uh, and I have shared this story with a few of the men here. Um, I, I just, I break things. I am unable to repair. I come from a lineage of very handy men, but somehow being the youngest of four, the gene pool was empty, and I didn't get any of that. I stood by my dad growing up, holding tools, shining lights, handing him things, uh, but to this day, I don't do anything good uh, in that realm. A number of years ago, before I came to this very clear understanding of myself, I uh, decided that we needed a new bathroom sink, uh, just the faucet. And, you know, they sell those at Home Depot. It's a box with a faucet, and you just pop the old one off and put the new one on, and 
That wasn't hard. I thought I would do that. So as you can imagine, because of what I've just told you, it didn't go very well. Um, I somehow managed to break off the drain pipe at the wall, at the sheetrock. Um, I didn't even know that was bad. <laughs> I took a picture and I sent it to my dad and I said, um, what do I do? And he immediately called me and he said, this isn't, you know, this isn't good. Um, he began explaining to me why this wasn't good. And then the next morning he got in his van and loaded up his tools and he drove two hours to fix my sink. I know my dad loves me for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. He did not send me instructions or a YouTube video. He didn't laugh at me, although he could have. He didn't tell me to call a plumber. He came himself at a sacrifice to himself, and he fixed what I broke. Well, that pales in comparison of what we're looking at tonight, but maybe it helps us understand a bit of what motivated God to send His Son, God in the flesh, to come and to fix what we broke. It's because God loves us. In John's first epistle, he writes, In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God's love made manifest in the person of Christ. That's the story of Christmas. It is the unfolding story of God's redemption, of His love throughout history. God came to be with us to put His love on display by saving us from sin and death. This is what Isaiah foretold, what we already read. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call His name Emmanuel. God with us. God was going to come to be with us. And so with that in mind, let me read to you. And if you want to turn to Isaiah 9, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 in Isaiah 9. Familiar passage. It's probably one that you could recite if I started you. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of, the and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A child will be born. Why a child? Why a child? I mean, the people of Israel were looking for someone to deliver them, and their eyes were fixed on maybe the right rabbi, maybe the right priest, maybe the right king or governor or ruler would come in and deliver them. The Israelites knew that there was supposed to be more to this than just having a piece of land. This was more than just real estate. They understood that the kingdom was indeed to last forever. What we just saw what we just read in Isaiah 9, the kingdom was to be eternal. And even in their system of worship, they knew that there was supposed to be something more than this daily ritual that freed them not from sin or from guilt. There was supposed to be so much more. So what could a child do? Think of it, an infant doesn't have strength or wisdom or power 
An infant needs to be cared for, have everything done for them. It just doesn't make sense. And yet this is often how God works. In a seemingly upside-down, backward kind of way, He works so that we acknowledge only He could do this. And He gets the glory for it. The way He explains it to us in Isaiah 55, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Paul explained it, the same idea in 1 Corinthians 1, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It isn't about us. And that's good news because we're not capable of saving us. We see the evidence of God working in this way throughout history. You think of David, little David, the runt of the litter, so to speak. When Samuel came to anoint a king, Jesse didn't even send for David. David was left out in the field because who would have picked David to be king? And yet when he got through all the sons, he said, do you have anybody left? Oh yeah, there's the youngest out there in the field tending the sheep. And that's who God chose as king. Think of the nation of Israel itself. Were they great? Were they large in number? Had they done mighty things? Listen to what God said to them in Deuteronomy 7. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. You think of the story of the boy with the lunch, Jesus feeds 5,000. We could go on and on with the list. Of course, the greatest example of this is the story of the cross. God working in, again, a seemingly upside-down, backward way, putting a shameful thing on display for his glory, taking an unjust act to make you and me just in his sight. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So tonight, let us rejoice for this child who has been born to us, the son given that would bring light and love through his work of atonement, redeeming us, and giving us peace. Isaiah goes on, he gives four names for the child to be born. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All four of these names highlight the deity of this child to be born. Even though the hearers of Isaiah's message had no idea what this would mean and how this would unfold. You and I get to look back. We get to look, we're on this side of the cross Yes, we still look through a glass dimly, and we don't have all the answers, but we have so much more understanding as we see how God fulfilled the promises that he made to give a child. Think of this. The God of the universe would condescend to come as a child to fix what you and I broke. 
Paul writes in Philippians 2, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The child to be born is God. It is Emmanuel, God in the flesh, God with us. So what makes this presence of God with us different from his omnipresence. If you grew up going to Sunday school or you've studied any of the names of God or the attributes of God, you know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So why is this unique? Why is this different? I mean, the psalmist explains it in Psalm 139 when he says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Indeed, God is everywhere, and he is all-knowing, but now he was going to do something unique. God was going to put on flesh, the flesh of a human, and walk among us. He was going to know pain. He was going to know hunger. He was going to know temptation. He was going to know loneliness, and yet he would do this without sin. He would live the life of perfect obedience for us. He would fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. He would satisfy the wrath of God for you and for me in his death. So tonight, let us rejoice for this child born to us who is God in the flesh to bring justice and righteousness forevermore. Well, the big question for the hearers of Isaiah's message, maybe the question that comes to our mind tonight I think it's similar to Mary's question when the angel came to her and announced that she would have this child. Mary's response was, how will this be? Isaiah gives the answer at the end of verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Zeal is defined as eagerness and ardent interest in pursuit of something. Fervor, passion, passion. I don't think it's improper to say that God was excited to do this. God was excited to bring about, to bring to fulfillment his plan of redemption. This past Friday, I got an email newsletter that I get regularly from a friend, and I didn't have a chance to read it until last night. And when I read it, it was just so like, this belongs, I've got to, read, I've got to share this, this, this short two sentences tonight. Um, my friend Alan Foster uh, wrote this. He quotes Colossians 1.9, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is Jesus. And then Alan writes, It was God's pleasure to do this. It pleased Him. It made God happy. Sending His Son into the world in the form of a man in order to redeem His people brought God great delight. Think about that. It made God happy to send Jesus for you. It was God's good pleasure for all his own godness to dwell in Jesus in order to bring you to God. Think about that. The plan of redemption from eternity past unfolds in this passionate demonstration of God's love for you. John wrote it this way, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, 
Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came because it pleased the triune God to demonstrate his love by redeeming you and me. So tonight, let us rejoice in this child born, the coming of the promised one of whose peace there will be no end. Let me say in closing that in nearly every religion in the world, there is some form of the idea of karma. You reap what you sow. The impetus in karma is you do good so you get good. But this is not the message of the gospel. In fact, the good news of the gospel is the opposite of that. We get to reap what Emmanuel sowed. In love, God sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is, Jesus came and died, so God turns His wrath away from you and me, and He puts it on Christ on the cross. He did this because of His great love for us, so that we may receive mercy instead of wrath. That is the good news at Christmas. So let us rejoice tonight in this child that was born, the one who was promised, who came as our prophet, priest, and king to bring us in his kingdom of grace by the love that he has forever had for us. Glory to Jesus, ancient and strong, giver of love and the theme of my song. Glory to Jesus, ancient and strong, come to your people and carry us home. So rejoice, ye children, and sing, and remember now his mercy, and sing out with joy, for the brave little boy is our Savior, Son of God, Son of Man, Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray. Lord, indeed we do rejoice that you sent your Son for us. We rejoice that we were not left to our own to attempt to fix a problem that we could not fix. We rejoice that we're not left to performing or earning your favor. We rejoice that in your love for us, you pour out your grace upon us, that in trusting in Christ alone, we might be made right with you. Lord, my prayer tonight is that everyone here would know that love that is yours toward us in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you draw our hearts to you in faith? Would you open our eyes to love you and to trust you more? That as we continue through this season of Advent and through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, that we would be reminded that you are indeed God with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.